Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. Tonight is, oh, man, I know, you know, I don't know what day it is. Okay, it says <laughs> Tuesday, April 24th. No, I don't. I'm sitting at home. I'm not going out. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing, which is staying the hell away from people who might have germs. And I said, right. oh, this week, this week, I lost Tuesday. I don't know what I did Tuesday. I don't know if Tuesday, if I slept through it, what, but mm. all day Wednesday, I swore it was Tuesday. So that was, that was like pretty weird, although I am getting pretty old. So anyway, everybody, we have a, <laughs> a roundtable tonight, a creator's roundtable, and joining, uh, joining me tonight, we have uh, Jacqueline Loggins and uh, Lena Janelle. And, uh, and, and, you know, the esteemed Jarvis Sheffield. So uh, for those hey. who don't know, I'm William Hayashi, and, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm a creator, uh, often of chaos, but I kind of, that's just how I roll. I've been that way most of my life. I spent a lot of my time in, in school with my desk up next to the teacher's desk, and, you know, it is what it is. So anybody, <laughs> anyway, welcome everybody to the show. Um, first of all, Jacqueline, where are you coming to us from? Did I lose everybody? Uh, I'm still here. I'm waiting on Jacqueline. Oh, no, she accidentally muted herself. Okay, so Jacqueline, okay. Where, where are you coming to us from? I'm coming from, well, originally I'm from Elahatchee, Mississippi, but I currently live in Powder Springs, Georgia, which is the metro Atlanta area. Okay, cool. And, and Lena, where are you right now? I am coming to you from Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow. And Jarvis, are you home? Yep, I'm here in the Nashville, Tennessee area. <clears throat> yeah, and I'm at the uh, Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show Studios which are currently in uh, in Chicago. <laughs> so you're the only non-Southerner. Well, you know, here's the thing. Um, I don't want to say anything about Southerners, but let's just say I handle this pretty well for a Northerner. You know, okay. it's funny because when we first started doing the radio show, we had what? We had about five or six hosts, didn't we, Jarvis? Uh, yeah, about, about five. Yeah, and so it was funny because being on Friday nights, and we started when the weather was cold, at that time I would play tennis every Friday night and get done at 8.30. So I would jump in the car, and someone else would be starting the show, probably Penelope or somebody, and then I would call in in my car and do the show from my car while I was driving home. Nowadays, it's much more much more sophisticated. I have a great chair. I've got a nice desk. And, um, you know, I'm making a whole lot more money doing this. So it's uh, and when I started out. Anyhow, okay. um, welcome, everybody. And as, as the, uh, the topic of the show is, we're basically going to talk about how, how this, this unprecedented, well, it's not unprecedented, but it's been 100 years since it happened before, but how this unprecedented um, pandemic is affecting what we do as creators or how we interact with other people as creators. So with that said, who wants to start off? Hmm. 
Okay, okay, I will. All right, so uh, like I said, well, y'all are too slow. I don't have time for dead air. I mean, I, I, I have a lot to say, but I feel like okay. the host should but kind I, of speak first. <laughs> yeah, but I, you know, I've been I've been in radio since 1976, but I don't have a lot to say. For me, um, since most of my work is singular, I don't work very often with other people for the creative side of what I do. Writing is essentially the same as it's always been. Um, some of the it. things that are getting in the way. Um, you know, I'm working with a publisher now, and it's just a you know because things around you, not necessarily between the two of us, but around us, are making things a little bit dif- uh, difficult. Um, but I think the only thing that really is affecting me probably is attitudinal. You know, I don't mind being alone at home. You know, I've, I've, I've it's comfortable for me, and I'm comfortable being alone. But the thing that's kind of weighing on my mind and kind of pissing me off is I don't like my governor telling me I have to stay in the house. He doesn't know me. I have the exact opposite feeling. I really (laughs) actually put this on social media. I'm here in North Carolina, and our um, governor is Roy Cooper. And I've got so much love for him right now. I mean, second to maybe Cuomo right now, because he's the gangster governor, the the president we wished we kind of had at a time like this. And um, Right. I'm loving that he's extended the time because I'm not playing with this thing. <laughs> you know, oh, no, much I like you, I'm home often by myself, but when I go out, I'm out here like a ninja. Like, don't even give me eye contact for too long. I'm like, get my groceries, get out of there. Well, yeah, I, I'm like that too. I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't mean I want to go out. I don't want to go out because I'm, I'm looking at this as a, as a huge, huge bonus because the people who are going out and putting themselves at risk are Trump supporters. And the chances are pretty good that a whole bunch of them will be, will be dead by November, which means more you laugh, Jarvis. We, just, we have to get our asses out and vote. But they're, they're going out to the beach. They're going to the beach. They're going to the park. They're jogging. They're going to... Where else are they going? Oh, now the, the, the beauty parlor, the golf course. And so since those are by and large Trump supporters who are, uh, uh, you know, they're being induced to go out and, and uh, protest, and even the protests where they're all hanging in, in one big area, these people are, are going to catch this thing and a lot of them are going to die, which means less of them voting. Now, a lot of people what? don't say that. And I'll, Go ahead. No, no, I just I had to just... I'm going to take small umbrage with one thing you said, because I'm feeling most of it. But the part about beauty parlors, that's us. <laughs> We're going to have well, to yeah, it does. for African Americans. I'm looking like Jarvis Jacqueline, back me up. <laughs> well, Becky hey, and them are not hey, running I'm out to you. get their nails and hair did. <laughs> Look, I had to run out, and I ran out and uh, got myself some, some new clippers. <laughs> had to reintroduce myself to cutting my own hair because I was like, I'm not going to be on Hello. Same here in my household. I, I get that. I went to college in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and there were, you know, all the all the black folks up there either worked for one of the, the big um, paper companies or they were on the Green Bay Packers. And so when I went up there, I went out to the Technical Institute because you could get a free haircut out there. Jacqueline, I don't know why you keep muting. Anyway, um, and so 
I, I learned how to cut my own hair. I, actually, I've been cutting it since about high school. And, I, you know, I'm not suffering at all. You know, I, uh, it, you know Hello. I'm just yeah. lucky that I learned how to do it. But hey, uh, hey. I, I understand the whole beauty parlor thing. I, I understand that, you know, if you have to leave the house, you don't want to scare animals and children. Um, <laughs> so, so I get it. Um, yeah. See, I don't but, get it. Here's... Oh, I'm sorry. Let me cut you go off. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Please. I told you I was pretty passionate about this. Um, and I'm going to bring in Jacqueline on this because, you know, looking at your picture, I see a lovely lady. And it looks like you have natural hair like myself. And mm-hmm. so I've got locks. So I wasn't worried about this anyway because I, I don't, you know, go to a loctician or hair cells on the regular. I will go, but it's a luxury, not a necessity. And as far as the men folk in my household, I'm like, I don't care if you guys totally wolf out like to cave people. Nobody is leaving for a haircut. That is just crazy to me. I just cannot wrap my yeah. head around the idea of having to actually, if I can just kind of just say this real quick, when I do go out to the store, and I don't know if Jacqueline will fill me on this, um, the creativity part aside, just looking at it from a necessity point of view, it's actually freeing, the freedom of not having to feel like I have to kind of dress up when I go out. Locks are just in a ponytail, no makeup on, mask on my face. Um, I'm someone who tends to like, I don't do the gloves things. I use the um, sanitizer as soon as I leave the store um, because sure. somebody told me how it's safer to actually not use the gloves Mm-hmm. and just hand sanitize once you leave. But that being said, I'm in sneakers, I'm in comfortable clothes, and prior to, um, you know, the, the pandemic, I felt somewhat of a pressure, a social pressure, in case I ran into someone I knew, to, leak, to, to look at least, like, you know, cute, like, oh, I've got to make sure I've got my <laughs> earrings in. I'm not talking high heel shoes and, like, a pump and hottie dress, but at least look like, not like a sleeve stack from, you know, like, land of the law. So now I'm just like, I don't care. <laughs> they don't know who oh, I am under the mask anyway, and well, I'm loving it. I say a sleeve stack. I'm talking chocolate, <laughs> the whole nine yards. I don't care. <laughs> I'm on a mission. Well, I have micro locks, so I have like nearly 400 locks on my head, so I have to go to a lactation because I'm not patient like that. But I'm more gorgeous. With my hair. I like to put it up and do different things. And you know, growing up, you know, I would always ask people to do my hair, and sometimes they will, sometimes they wouldn't. So I decided to start learning to do things for myself, and I'm thankful for that now because you know, like you said, in a time like this, I can do my own hair. I can do my own makeup when I go out, so I really don't need to go to a, a hair salon. I wish that I could go to a nail salon to get me a pedicure though, because my feet are hot. <laughs> but other than that, I hear you on that. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw it, but on social <laughs> on social media there was someone, and I don't know if it was done as a joke or not. I just kind of I saw it, I laughed, I screamed past it. But there was there was a beauty salon where the person, it looked like they were sitting in a big garbage pail and someone was throwing water on their head, you know, on the back of their head from six feet away. And then, oh and then someone else was sitting in a chair. And, and they, had, 
they had brushes and stuff like that on the end of of broomsticks and were like banging the back of this girl's head trying to, you know, get her hair. You know, it had to be a joke, but I mean. It'll get into the most. (laughs) That is just too funny. You know, for me, it's okay. I I, kind of enjoy it, you know, having the whole mask on. Since I do have the face for radio, um, at least I'm not out there scaring children and and animals. But, you know, it's a little, it's kind of disconcerting because, I mean, what if I have to go to the bank, you know? You know, a, a Jap. You know, you, your bank is still and, open. And, and what about? Well, some of the the little branch like things are open, and then they they make you wait outside until the person who's in there leaves. You know that sort of thing. But man, you know, I, I think, think about. <clears throat> I, you know, this is, here. Yeah, but what's what's deadly about this is. You know, you've got an entire country of black folks, especially black men, who are supposed to be out with a mask. And you see, you know, posts mm. and, and videos of them going into stores and security guards making them take off their masks. And, you know, I, I saw the joke, you know, why does Batman only, you know, have a cowl? <clears throat> oh, I saw that. So that yeah. So that, yeah, so the cops <laughs> can make sure you can see that he's a, a, a white man. You know, and, and oh, so wow. there's, you know, mm. there's, there's there's a lot going on, and I wonder how that affects people, you know, creatively. If you have to worry about, okay, I have to get groceries, I have to get groceries for my family, or I have to go to a drugstore to pick up, you know, prescriptions or something like that. I'm I'm a, a darker black man, um, and and I'm wearing a mask, and is somebody going to take that as an excuse? to do me harm. Wow. And, and I hadn't thought about and, that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And, I've and heard, so, heard of some stuff on the internet about it, but have not experienced any of that here yet. Yeah. Well, right. see, the thing is, the, the longer this goes, mm-hmm. the creepier and more antisocial people are going to get. Plus, you have a contingency yeah. out there who are going to use this as an excuse. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They take, they, you know, people will take advantage of any situation to bust out their hatred, to bust out their bad behavior, and and use that as an excuse. So I'm hoping Agreed. my concealed carry permit comes through pretty quick, because um, you know I, I figure you know life is cheap anyway. You know, people are people are going out and committing suicide by doing stupid stuff. What about this thing today about? injecting disinfectant and putting, what, a UV light, you know, up your ass or whatever, or, you know, trying to get into candy. <laughs> the latest Trump, Trump logic. I've already yeah, done a that's, cartoon that's, that's about it. the latest it. from, our, from our, our president. And then we found Phyllis out how leader. stupid he sounded. He said, oh, oh, no, I was just joking. Lion sack of... Anyway, we'll keep it PG. So anyway, you know, so for, for me, just for me, and then let's let's go around the horn. I'm not affected operationally in terms of writing. And it, and because the Internet is so ubiquitous, you know, getting my manuscripts here, there, everywhere, doing corrections, sending them back and forth to, to editors, that's not doing, you know, doing much harm. And even the artists who do, <clears throat> excuse me, my book covers, you know, they work digitally too. So I'm not, I'm not really affected. Um, 
what about what about you guys? Creatively. Ladies. Uh, uh, who wants to go first? <laughs> um, well, honestly, um, normally what I was doing before I started, I was um, making and selling ancestor money, and I was making, and I was, you know, I'm a doll maker. And when I when the when the virus first came and they were starting to do all these different things, I was about to skip. I was about to leave the country. Like I had literally bought a ticket to Nigeria and told my friends over there, "All right, y'all, I'm here to way up. I, I was going to get out of here. But what happened was, <laughs> I guess my ancestors weren't having it. They were like, "Uh, uh-uh, you can stay your butt right here and help out." So the Nigerian <laughs> the Nigerian government closed the borders, like the day before I was supposed to leave. So. Wow. I have wow. to I have to switch over. Like I switched from doing ancestor money making dolls and now I make masks full time. Like I make I sell oh, masks. Yeah. And I also make masks to donate to, you know, different hospitals and I've donated to psychiatric facilities and nursing Bless homes you. and stuff like that. Bless you. Yeah, and I really I really enjoy, you know, the change now as far as like my work because I'm constantly busy and I know that what I'm doing is saving people is protecting people and is making a difference and mm-hmm. honestly like i feel happier like i i like making money you know and i like the, <laughs> the, the income that i'm getting now because i'm constantly busy but i enjoy the free work and the donation work probably a little bit more than i do the regular you know retail part of it you know just you know when i know i'm making masks for nurses and like different facilities and i know it's going to actually help people and because I know like my last situation, they called me and they said they had an emergency situation where the hospital had paid a person to make 13 masks and the person took the money and ran. Oh, so my I God. Just, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. Like I That's said, I told people them, no. will take advantage. Yeah, I said, all I'm y'all sorry. have to do is pay, you know, just pay for shipping and I'll make the mask and send it to you. So, you know. I was That's just glad great. I'm able to help people. Yeah. That's awesome. If it I is. can just it pass really a compliment is. on, I'm so awesome. proud for you. I don't know you, but I think that is that is wonderful. I am so happy to hear this. Because as soon as you said doll maker, I was thinking, I wonder if she's making masks now. And you confirmed <laughs> yeah. what I was hoping that you do. And that that must be so empowering. It's like I'm I'm happy for you to experience that and happy that mm-hmm. they are able to get like I'm sure a beautifully designed mask as opposed to just like, you know, a regular bandana. And yeah, and, and yeah. probably it's much better quality too because it's made by hand. It's made by somebody who knows what they're doing. And mm-hmm. and with all of the tutorials, all the information about what right. what are the best materials and everything, you all you, you have the skill set. All you need to do is get the consumables. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Wow. And sometimes you know, that's the hard maybe, part. Yeah, if I was like 30, 40 years younger, I, I'd have your children, you know, for the kind of work you've been doing. But um, I'm past <laughs> those years. Yeah, and, the only and, part and, is you know, the material. Lena, what about you? Yeah. Lena, is this affecting your creative oh, no, dream no. at all? Oh, I'm up there. Okay. Um, yeah. And if I can just, like, you know, segue from the last thing that Jacqueline said. It is, I'm glad somebody else said that this has been good for them because I have been struggling with guilt because this has been very good for me. And I feel like a monster saying that, like, I hate what's going on outside, but 
you can have more than one emotion about a situation. So on one hand, I'm praying, I'm crying, I'm watching television and looking at the different states that um, I can quote stats with the best of them on who has the most cases and what Trump said and what Cuomo said and all the political part about it. But then from a creative point of view, it's been good for me because um, whereas I've lost income, because let me go ahead and say what I do. I am a cartoonist and a teaching artist for a living. That's my full-time jobs. Um, Uh And so with the schools being closed, there went my teaching gig. I was right in the middle of a workshop for eight weeks. We got one week, and the kids were all excited, and then this happened, so that was the end of my teaching. And with the gigs, nobody's going to hire a caricature artist to come out and draw caricatures if there are no parties or events. So, you know, there's that, um, right. that part of my income. However, I've been fortunate to have clients who, you know, were already calling, like, I want to do a children's book, and now I really want to do one since I'm stuck in the house. I need an illustrator, or I need a logo design, or I didn't get to graduate. Can you draw a picture, or my son didn't get to graduate. Can you draw a caricature of him because I feel bad that he won't get to walk across the stage. So client work has been good, but then in addition to that, there's the, um, you know, the art I do for art's sake for myself. And there are a quite a few projects I'm excited about, you know, that I'm, I've got my hands in all these pots. I'm like, okay, now I've got all this time to, to do this, to do that. But the thing I'm probably most excited about at this moment is um, was inspired by the COVID-19. I was in the grocery store, and I was annoyed by how many people didn't wear masks and how they were all up in each other's faces. And I was yep. like, I can't believe folks are just acting like there's not – you know, a a this, mm-hmm. this killer virus out here, like it's just a regular day. And on mm-hmm. one hand, I was angry, but on the other hand, I was inspired. I was like, I feel like a ninja. And so I thought about it, and I was like, that would be a great idea, like the concept of like this dystopian kind of experience where, you know, on one hand, you know, it's kind of a dark time but it brings out the part of you that's like a warrior because it's fight or flight, sink or swim. If there's ever a time for Darwinism, you know, only the strong will survive, it's now. Because like you said earlier, the dumb people, I hate to say it like that, are going to rush out and <laughs> do foolish things like protest and, you know, go hate to say right. it, go get the nails did, you know, and just like it's suggested by Darwinism, the strongest will survive. And so if that doesn't bring out your inner ninja, I don't know what is. So I came up with this concept of, like, (laughs) well, the video kind of speaks for itself, but I thought, okay, if I could kind of get a following behind it, this might be a weekly cartoon I do on YouTube, like a little animated cartoon to take people's minds off of what's going on and also hopefully to inspire some of the younger people who aren't wearing masks because they're thinking, I'm not at risk because I'm 23 or whatever, you know. So I thought, well, if I make wearing a mask cool, like you're a ninja by wearing a mask, maybe they'll follow suit. So that's the thing that's kind of like burning my passion right now. Cool. And, and Jarvis, ooh, what ooh. were you, what were you making, um, for you know the PPE stuff you were making? 
oh, personal one of protective the, um, equipment. Sorry. I was um, privy to uh, work in um, a university library uh, system in the <clears> media center, and we created a makerspace a couple years ago, and we were called upon to make some 3D visors, uh, 3D print some of those for the splash shields. So we did a, a few dozen of those, and I was I, th I thought it was so cool to be even involved in the project because the our governor kind of put out a call for uh, the universities and anybody that had 3D printers to help with facilitating um, those visors as protective gear. And so I was on campus as one of the after everybody else left, <laughs> I was one of the handful of people that were designated. Um, what is it called? Uh, essential essential personnel. So, yeah. Yeah, so I was there for an extra week uh, before I convinced them to let me take one home because <laughs> I could print more <laughs> at home <laughs> as opposed to sitting there, you know, in this big building with all these lights on and things of that nature. So that was right, one right. of uh, that was real cool to be able to do that. And like Jacqueline said, being knowing that you're helping, uh, helping, uh, helping people and prevent this um, pandemic is a great feeling to be able to do that. Yeah, and in terms of in terms of the um, this whole thing, I, I'm kind of taking it as a even though I'm still working from home because I had to create um, a whole procedure for two campuses of the media center, both main and downtown campus procedures and all that stuff uh, for myself and for my staff. Outside of just da daily working, I have more time because I normally spend an hour going to work in the morning and an hour coming home in the afternoon. And so I have more time to do stuff. So uh, I take it as relaxing, resetting, regrouping, and planning because there's a lot of different projects that you have. I know I have all kinds of projects that kind of had to take a back seat or I'll get around mm -hmm. to it later. So now um, I'm able to do some of those things. Like one of them was uh, got the latest episode of the well, issue of Genesis Science Fiction Magazine, got that out. Was working on uh, Genesis Anthology number three right now, doing a little animation on the Earth Squadron project and doing some more research um, on my uh, doctoral topic. So it's a good opportunity. I'm taking this as an opportunity to get some stuff done. Um, but right. some of the challenges we talked about it before was like I had to learn to cut my hair. <laughs> because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to catch a disease out here getting my hair cut even though I even saw a right? died for doing that yes yeah, so I'm like mm, that wasn't very smart and uh, Lena said it uh, there's a lot of Darwinism going on right now because I've seen people doing lives and stuff and it's a bunch of people in the <laughs> in the room and I'm like hold up is this an old video or is this live you know, you're not supposed to be doing that kind mm. of stuff. And so, like you said, the people that aren't that bright um, are going to contract it. But the sad part is they're going to affect other people that got good sense. That's the only part. Yeah. That's the right. part that bugs me. Because they're going to go home or they're going to go to uh, to work or somewhere somewhere and infect somebody else that's old or a little kid or with a pre-existing condition and it's going to take them out as well. But it's it's a it's a double-edged sword. So I try to look at it as the positive part, where where I can go back and get some projects done and just breathe. And one of the funner yeah. 
things that I've had an opportunity to uh, complete. Uh, I start from start to finish Michelle Obama's Becoming book. That book is awesome. And I, with my, oh, oh man, it's awesome. I, I think it's the best book I've read in a number of years. Okay, yeah, yeah. I'm, so, I'm interested. Oh, yeah, run out and get it. They have it. Um, my yeah. wife has a copy, uh, a hardback copy, and then they also have it in audiobook. Okay, hold on a minute. Are we talking about becoming her her her, her biography? Uh huh. Okay, you know what, Jarvis? Yeah. I'm sorry. I misunderstood you. I'm almost embarrassed to tell you what I thought you said because not only do I know what book that is, I bought that for my mother for um for Christmas. Oh, good, good. Yeah, so I know exactly yeah. what I what book you're talking about. I actually thought you said I feel like such a nerd right now. I thought you said the Michelle Obama comic book. And I was like, that's a Michelle Obama comic book? I, I really wish it was. <laughs> With some of the things that she's done in life, if you read if you read the book, you might get, it, it would make an excellent comic book. Well, AOC has one. Who's that? Um, how do you her full name? Um, Anastasia Ocasio Cortez, the um, oh, uh, junior freshman congresswoman. Yeah, she has. They actually, she actually has a comic book series about her. Mm-hmm. Believe yeah, it or so not, I would love to see, see one uh, along those lines made of, of Michelle. That would be awesome. I do need to buy the Becoming book. I um, I just figured I was just going to get my mom's copy, but I need to just buy my own. So you know, I'll just have it <laughs> and can read it whenever I want. But that's awesome. Okay. All right, and if you don't have time, do the audio book. I'm a big fan of audio books, and I. I Kind of got turned on to those by spending that hour going and coming in the car, and I kind of got fed up with all radio because it was just like uh, what what Trump is doing now, you know, his de- following his yeah. daily antics, and so I just stopped mm-hmm. listening to the radio, even NPR. I just like I don't need this every morning of raising my blood pressure, so so I listen to audio books. <laughs> That's a good. Yeah, so Thank you. Thank you for recommending that. that. I can be a bit of a traditionalist. Oh. I'm sitting in my living room right now, and I have a huge collection of, of uh, my home library is pretty large. And the old-fashioned part of me is like, I need a book I can touch. I need it tangible. But I'm uh, seeing how much it makes sense to either have like a Kindle or to do the audiobook thing because sometimes you don't have the time. and you can work and just listen. So um, I don't mean to change the subject, but yeah, that's that's actually a good idea to do that with the audio thing. Thank you. Oh yeah, you well, can put that app on your phone, your laptop, anything. Yeah, but see, here's the thing. If you buy any of my books on Kindle or audiobooks, I can't sign them. <laughs> well played, well played. <laughs> <laughs> That's I one see. Thing you know, and and just think, just real quick. Just think, if you have, you know, if you've got a book that I've written, and and you know, you've got a hard copy, and I have signed it, you know, if a bus runs me over tomorrow, it's going to be worth more, you know. Yeah. Actually, I agree with you. I, that's what I do love about a a, 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 a old fashioned, just like tangible book. I like to see where mm-hmm. an author has signed it. I got a couple of them here. I'm really proud of. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 
Although I'm, probably I'm won't little, be much book signing in the future for us authors. Hmm. So you I have to digitally that. sign them, like like I do people pay paychecks. Ah. Oh, with the with the with the mimeograph, or excuse me, the the, the Xerox signature. Uh huh. <laughs> if you don't mind, I have a question I'd like to pose. If that's okay. Sure. sure. Absolutely. Okay, it's it's relevant to the topic, and I was um, talking about this with um, actually my boyfriend before I, you know, we got on for the um, for the the, the the session, and I was having an age old lament. It's been around since I don't know how long about African Americans not supporting each supporting African American creators in terms of our not supporting our craft, and I wasn't bitching and moaning about it so much as just kind of, you know, explaining like I get why it doesn't happen sometimes and I get what we need to do, so, you know, to, 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 um, to get the support, but sometimes it is very frustrating. And all this started from the show that Kenya Barris has out on Netflix called, can I say it, Black AF? I'll just say Black AF. Yeah. Uh-huh. Are you all familiar with his show, Black AF? Yeah. Yes. yes uh, we saw one yes. episode of it. Yeah, I watched the whole season, I think. I think we got through the whole season. I haven't mm-hmm. finished, well, but I, I plan on doing it like, this weekend. Yeah. I, I can tell you one reason why, and this has been tradition for quite a while. Um, <clears throat> black people have been conditioned to, to have a zero-sum mentality about supporting other people, all right? And this is not everybody, so don't jump on my ass about that, anybody in the chat room or whatever. But, but here's the deal. Um, we've the whole tip's in Homeworld, though. <laughs> well, you know, let them. I don't care. You know. but, but see, the thing is, we've been taught that um, if we are a creator or we are a vendor or we provide a service, um, traditionally, a lot of black people felt that if somebody else who provided the same service, another black person who provided the same service, or also wrote books, or also painted, sculpted, what have you, and they made a sale, blacks had been conditioned since slavery times to believe that that other person took money out of their pocket. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. and, 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 you know, a lot of people take issue with it, but I've got, I've got, you know, years of proof, and so I'm wondering, especially, you know, you talk about a TV show. Well, a TV show is kind of okay because then you could look at it and say, oh, mine is better than that one or whatever, but when you're talking about purchasing something tangible like um, a book, or, or you know, or a picture, or a sculpture, or you know, whatever. Then, then that does kick in, and there are still yeah. a lot of blacks out there who have that zero sum mentality. Um, and and it, yeah, mm-hmm. and it takes a certain amount of honesty with oneself, and and a bit a bit of introspection to not only you know examine the factual you know nature of of that of that condition but to mm-hmm. even try to figure out if you have it yourself. You know, mm-hmm. and so... Thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. And like, so, like my sister... Go ahead. 
um, she'll come and she'll tell me, um, yeah, so-and-so, so-and-so from my hometown, they're selling masks too. And I'm like, okay, good. Because I can't sell masks to the whole world. You know, we need as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying, you know, it took me a while to really just get away from that mentality because mm -hmm. it's enough mm -hmm. for everybody. You know, I don't want to, I don't want right. to live the rest of my life with a, with a, with a, with limited thinking or that, you know, that whole not, a, you know, not enough thing where if one of us is successful, then that means another one can't be successful. Mm -hmm. and, well, and, and like yeah, you said, and, it, it, yeah. And the bottom line is that you're, what you're doing is you are, you're not even engaging with other creatives in your own field, you know, to find out what works, what doesn't work. Oh, where's some new ideas? Oh, right. I like this idea, you know. I, I, although I do despair of how many uh, pandemic sci-fi stories, black, white, and other, are going to be out in a year. Um, that'll be an interesting <laughs> thing to, to see happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. I was like, okay, it's coming. <laughs> it's I'm coming. A, I'm a prejudice shopper, like especially with books. Like they, it have it. Like with my science fiction, it has to be written by a black person. You know, a black American, African, or whatever. I have. I don't know. I just enjoy, you know, my fiction books by black people better. You know, it speaks exactly. to me. It speaks to I to who I am. And even with other things like when me and my husband choose a dentist or you know we look for a new doctor, the front okay, we need. You know, we try to look for our people to support our own community. You know, so that's well, just. If I could add this to you, like Jacqueline. To, What, Lena? Yeah. No, I was going to add on to what oh. I, I didn't. I can't see you, so I can't. I didn't know if you were. I have something to say to to add on to what you're saying. Okay. I'm feeling you. Yeah. No, we don't. We don't use the cameras. Like I said, I have the face for radio, and I don't want to frighten anybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen the so, fire. Everybody here is beautiful. <laughs> oh, stop it! You're gonna you're gonna turn my head. Um, but oh, go but yeah, and, and so. <laughs> But, but when you look at, you know, we should be supporting each other because here's the thing. Um, black science fiction, uh, with a few exceptions, is, is radically different from just, just because our, our perceptions are different. You know, right. and um, somebody, I was, uh, I was uh, paneling a discussion at Worldcon, and there was a, and I was like the, you know, we were talking about Afrofuturism stories. And there was, I've, I've told this story before, there was like an 80-year-old white guy sitting in the front, you know, row, and he asked this question. He said, do I have to know anything about black culture in order to enjoy these stories? And being the smartass I was, I almost said something, you know, kind of, you know, flippant, <laughs> you know, and kind of dismissive. But, the, but wait, no, no. But when I thought of it, I said, oh, my God, this is the most relevant question that we've had yep. in this entire panel discussion. And, and so I said, you know what, Let, let's do this. I said, I said to everybody in the room, and there was probably about 200 people in there. I said, everybody raise your hand who saw Avatar. And, of course, everybody, everybody raised their hand. I said, how many of you enjoyed it? And, of course, you know, just about everybody raised their hand. Some people dropped their hands. And I said, okay, here's the important question. What did you know about big-ass blue people before you saw the movie? 
and they, so the whole room cracked up. I, I said the essence of what makes something good, bad, or worthy is, is the quality of the storytelling. I said, so if you're a good storyteller, sir, you don't have to know anything about black culture because what, you know, the nuances embedded in the story should give you the kind of information that the background information you would need. And so, you know, I, I'm seeing more and more people, um, uh, mainstream people, talking about inclusive uh, groups in terms of science fiction. You know, you have a, a women's movement, you have black, you have, excuse me, I even had, um, I had uh, a Mexican on the, a native Mexican on one of the panels about science fiction. And so look at all of these perspectives. And what this is doing is not, I don't think of it as inclusion. I think of this as more normalization of the entire science fiction genre. Because what it is, is it's including everybody. And once you include everybody, then you don't have to, I don't think you're going to have to segment out anybody. You're just going to say, oh, this was written by somebody from a black perspective. Oh, this one's, oh, this is that Mexican guy. Let me take a look at that. And I'm not sure if that's going to catch on, that perspective. But to me, that's what it is. Instead of, mm-hmm. instead of treating it, you know, everything is different. And we still have to do that now. Otherwise, people have a tendency to just think about the traditional white male science fiction, you know, that, that started way back in the golden age. But, but if I, I can think, add this in. If I, sure. if I may, here's the you don't have and to. You don't have to ask. <laughs> I, it, I'm a Southern girl. I, I do. Okay. <laughs> All right. It feels rude to just be like. Anyway, so okay. Here's the thing <laughs> I'm thinking about um, when you because I'm you know like I said, I'm enjoying this whole experience. Um, I think there's certain rules that have to be followed for any storytelling. To take it back to when the example you gave with Avatar with James Cameron, he followed right. a basic rule. Mm-hmm. We know nothing about blue people, but that story is as old as can be. Indigenous people have land where they uh, plant crops and live in harmony with each other. Outsiders with pale skin come into land and wreak havoc and sleep with their women <laughs> and take on yeah. their look. <laughs> you know, to look like them and mess everything up for indigenous people. And then they're just kind of like forced to fight for their land. That's Native Americans and Europeans. That's Africans and um, the whole diaspora period, you know, or, or the Middle Passage with what happened to us. That, that story is old as time. It's just aliens. And so that's the thing I think some storytellers miss when they're saying, okay, I want to make something for my people. I'm African-American. I want something that speaks to the black experience. I want something that speaks to the black female experience. But there are some basic truths. Like you said, it has to stand the test of time. Is this a story that, one, will be relevant years later and not when I see it or I hear the story, I'm thinking, oh, I could tell that was written in the 70s. I could tell that was written in whatever era. And I also don't want it to be so race-based that that clouds the story. You want something for your folks, but there's some basic rules. I don't think that Cameron set out to make a movie for white people. He set out to make a good movie. That is my challenge with African-American creators to 
create a good story and don't get so wrapped up into I got to be the voice of black females. I got to be the voice of black men. Make a good story and your characters are black and people will kind of like, they won't get so caught up in, I don't understand any of this dialogue because it's all written for a culture that I'm not a part of. Yeah, I I get Uh, that. But we're also, we're also, I'll, I'll just say this real quick. We're also crippled by the fact that people who teach writing who teach creative writing, you know, and people who run, you know, seminars on writing and things like that. One of one of their precepts that they always bring to the forefront is that there are no more original stories. You know, you can do the variation on a theme. Sometimes you might get close to doing something original. But but when you put that in someone's head, that doesn't help either in terms of creativity, whether you're black, white or whatever. Okay, I see um, your point, yeah. You know, and, and so you get you get crippled by it. You go, well, I'll do, okay, you know, uh, Avatar was Dances with Wolves. It was, uh, what else? As somebody said, uh, Disney's Pocahontas, as somebody says in the uh, chat room. You know, it's the same story. It, just like you said, it's the white savior, you know. And, and how many times yeah. do we, why, why does Johnny Weissmuller have to be king of the jungle? <laughs> <laughs> All right, before I forget. <laughs> I just want to interject a little bit here um, in terms of the support thing. We have to, we always say we want to support black business, but are we really doing it? I, one thing that me and my wife challenge each other to do is to support black business for real. Like I get gas mm-hmm. at a black gas station. I, my wife gets her hair products from a black owned uh, hair salon that started here in Nashville a couple of years ago. I think they made, 50 grand in three hours when they first opened because they were the only black hair place here in Nashville. Um, so uh-huh. that, that's one thing. And another is knowing your market. I think there's a market for everything. Yeah. Uh, you if yeah. you want to know your market and, and, and focus on your market, whether that market is mainstream where you want to hit touch everybody, or if you want to make something just for us because we've been denied for so long to have stories that reflect us like i'll give an example i didn't start science fiction society i started black science fiction society because that's it right i remember yeah it really it needed to be done because um what was out there we had a few things here and there but what i wanted to do was pull all that together in one place so people could find it mm-hmm. easily uh and then also in terms of business why businesses don't get as much support i think I've worked in both uh, mainstream and black environments. And I think uh, some of the stuff is universal, but we see it primarily because we're so so close proximity, proximity to the black community. We see these things. But as an example of some of the reasons why businesses don't get supported is because they're online being disrespectful. <laughs> One thing, mm-hmm. they're running the mouth on the internet, talking about everything. You don't know who you, who you're turning off because that person you're talking about may be somebody that someone one of your potential customers looks up to and Thank i've noticed the people so that are at the very top the very top of the, the food chain in terms of business or in the sci-fi thing you don't hear them talking negative about nobody <laughs> they always drop in some information and that everybody can use that's something uplifting. They don't talk crazy about anybody on the internet. So that's one thing. You're right, Jarvis. You're isolating. Oh, cool. Thanks. <laughs> but I, yeah. I wish I was. 
but I see it so much. And that's happened to me. I've seen people being disrespectful toward someone that I look up to. So I'm not like, I'm not really keen on that person. So I might not buy anything from them. Um, right. Also that's where maturity come into play. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline, you brought a point in earlier about you got an opportunity because somebody else didn't follow through. And that's one of the things. So you might order something for somebody and never get it. So, right. and then people are going to talk crazy about you, particularly in our community. If, <laughs> if you do something good, <laughs> it may, they may tell one or two people, but if you do something bad to somebody, they're going to tell everybody they know. And so yeah. you got to follow through. On, but on, is that just know, a black thing or is that just? No, no, no. It's that's everybody thing, but can. we can't yeah. afford for it to happen to it. It's a universal thing, but we see it more prevalently. We think it's a black thing because we're so close to the to the issue. But these are universal mm-hmm. things that people need to stop doing. Being disrespectful on the internet. Uh, follow okay. through with what you say. I, there was one uh, convention I still hadn't got my money back from that I supported. <laughs> you know, with oh, no wow. follow you know, no, no follow through and no even, you know, making amends for it and then just keep on going like nothing ever happened. So you got stuff because like we that. have a lot of charlatans within our it, within our community. And oh, it's, it's a guy it's on YouTube every, I listen to. His name is John Farrell. He always say, like, we need to drain our swamp and get rid of the people yeah. who are who are getting, getting over, you know, the people who are scamming people and doing mm-hmm. stuff like this. You know, at some point, the black community is going to have to come together. And we're gonna have to drain our swamp and you know reveal those people and get them out of here, you know. Yeah, and then um another one is not having effective marketing. You people will post stuff and not uh not put a link where you can buy it. No hashtag. No yeah, thank you for pointing this out. No yes, link, yes, yes. No link to sales because if people uh have to work, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna might not come back to your site or your product because there's so much other stuff out there to compete with what you have. Um, and then one other big one that I found um, is going where the, the fish are. You know, uh, when you're going fishing, you just don't go anywhere and throw your line out to catch fish. You go where, you, where, where there's a, a good fishing hole <laughs> and you, where you're known to right. have fish. And so if you want to sell your stuff, you got to be in the places where people buy this stuff. And that's part of that's that's rolled into the marketing and knowing your market. I was privileged to work in marketing for seven years. So I kind of picked up a few things, hopefully, to share yes, with other have. people. But you gotta know <laughs> <laughs> you gotta know your market. And and William William has a name for this whole thing. He just sums it up. It's called the business of doing business. You got to know said that before. I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. For for most creatives, um, and and I ask when you know I've been doing the show what eight years now, over eight years, Jarvis. That's about it since day one. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So one of the things that mm. I ask people, especially creatives, is um, let's let's talk the, the the divide of percentages that you spend on the business of doing business and your actual creative work, your creative output. And it usually breaks down to 80-20. 80% of the time is taken up doing the business of, of business, and 20% is being a creator. Because essentially what you become as a creator, unless you're lucky enough as like an author to get a publisher or something like that, is you've become an entrepreneur. You have yeah. you have 
had to pick up the reins of running a, a business, you know, and you've got marketing, you've got, you've got, oh, like you, you know, you were talking about, you know, having to go to the post office, you have to pick up materials, you have all kinds of, of, of activities that are not directly to, yep. yeah, writing, sculpting, sewing, mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. and so, yeah, the business of doing business is very important, and a lot of people underestimate it. And the other yes, thing that do. creatives don't do, especially black creatives, is they don't pay themselves, okay? Right. If you are yeah. producing yeah. a yeah. product, you have to pay yourself. You have to factor that cost in for, you know, the entire – in your business plan. You, you know, you, you ought to write a business plan when you get to the point where you – decided, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing. Well, you know, and you, you, you talked about overhead, of course, you know, even gasoline or, you know, how much, of, let's say you live in an apartment or, or a condo, how much, how much square footage is devoted, you know, do you, do you devote to the business and do you, do you take appropriate expenses with that? You know, like uh, you know, paying the electric bill or or what? You know, okay. So I I pay like uh, X amount of dollars for my rent, and my entire dining room is my office. I have all my work stuff in the office. Okay, so how many square feet is that? And segment that out, and then do a business deduction on what you paid in rent at the end of the year. You know, so a lot of people don't understand the the, the gestalt of the business of doing business, and and they mm. end up cheating themselves. Yeah, I love. I, I mm. I'm a wordsmith. I apologize. Yeah, well, but, I, I, but I'm a lover of psychology. So when you mentioned gestalt theory, I'm like, ah. <laughs> well, but and yeah, so yeah, the sum of all parts. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, and and so yeah. you know, as creatives, there's a lot to it. And then now. Now we're in a, a, an artificial condition, although I guess you can't really call it artificial. Now we're in a new reality. Real, real. <laughs> okay, we've got a new normal. How is that going to affect your, you know, the business of doing business, and how is that going to affect your creativity? And I think most people just figure, well, you know, now I have more time at home, so I can devote more time to doing this. But if you're not, living 100% off of your creativity and you're one of these people who's at home and, and is either not being paid or being paid less, then you have to factor that in too. You know, how does, how does all of that add up? And it, it is kind of complicated and most people wing it and do it by the seat of their pants. But when you start making a certain amount of money, getting close to sustaining yourself from your creativity, then you have to take a hard look at that so that you don't cheat yourself. I mean, when you, if you can tell, take 50% of your income and, and show that it's devoted to your, your entrepreneurial creativity, then that's a considerable tax hit that you don't have to take, you know, just, just okay. as an example. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll add this. Um, around the... I, I don't really know how to time this whole thing because um, you lose track of the days, but at some point towards the beginning of the um, mandatory shutdown in various states, I remember 
um, putting something on my social media about making good use of your time. And a lady that I don't know, but we're kind of in the same political group, we had a differences of we had a difference of opinion because she was kind of coming from the point of view of well everybody doesn't have the luxury of being able to look at another stream of income or to learn another skill or to acquire some new knowledge and I disagreed with her because I said well first of all let's be honest this is on social media the meme that I posted is for people who can be on Facebook so if you've got eight kids at home and you're about to get put out of your apartment if you're on Facebook then that's your problem anyway. So this is obviously talking to people (laughs) who can to be on social media. Um, So let's start from that. (laughs) Okay. Then my other part was necessity is the mother of invention. So if you look at it that way, I guess I was thinking, I'm looking at other creative people and I'm thinking, I got a feeling that a lot of us are sitting at home thinking, okay, this is jacked up. I can't go where I want to go. My kids are not able to – not able to go to school there at home with me. And instead of going, woe is me, I'm thinking like um, FUBU founder, um, Damon, what's his name, from Shark Tank, he was like, if you aren't taking advantage of this time to kind of like, like, what can I do? Like, what, you know, I've got a captive audience. What can I, you know, do to take advantage of that? Then maybe you have to consider that, you know, you that that's you that's wasting time. And that may seem harsh to some people, like, well, I've got all these kids, I've got all this. And I'm thinking, yeah, we all have some sort of challenge. I've got children, elderly parents, all that kind of stuff. You know, bills that have to be paid that for the clients that are like, yeah, I don't care about your creative projects. I paid you to do this. And, you know, I've got to keep that going. But then there's the projects I want to do. And I guess for me, I just kind of want to put it out there. Do you feel like, you know, how do I say this? I wonder if people feel like that that's being selfish. I don't. I, I, I think that you should take advantage of the time. I mean, for me, I'm like, I have nowhere else to go. There's nothing that's motivating me more than feeling like I'm being forced to stay home. So that's kind of where I, I wanted to leave it, how you all felt about that, that the being forced to stay home should make you want to add to your um to your uh what's the word I'm looking for? Um your your arsenal to add to your um like the word is escaping me right now, but uh, to your set of skills. Yeah. Well yeah but, but there uh, there are three things that that occur to me when you say that. The first is there are a lot of people out there who are afraid to try something new. Okay? Um and, and the older you get the tendency seems to grow. Okay, younger people seem to have a more facile mind and, you know, can try to shift gears, you know. And so when you look at that, okay, fine, um, there, there's, there's, you know, some resistance there. And then there are actually people who are afraid of success. You know, I don't want to try yeah. this because, you know, if I get good at it, then I got to do this, I got to do that, I got to buy this, I got to, you know, I got to go shoot somebody or, you know, whatever the obstacle will be <laughs> for them realizing. <laughs> I grew up in Chicago. Whatever the obstacle <laughs> would be for them, you know, is is the thing that they fear or the thing that they figure might be just not worth it. It's more, too much work or whatever. And And then the third group, are the ones who 
who none of you guys are, so I don't think you relate to them very well, but there are people out there who are not as mentally, physically, creatively facile as, as you know, at least the four of us are. And so they, they truly have kind of a handicap in, in trying to switch gears or finding something that's facile. And, and now, now, you know, with so many things denied us in terms of availability, you know, uh, businesses uh, closed, schools closed, um, you know, and on and on and on and on, you know, the, the possibilities are a little bit limited and people who don't have very creative minds or very facile minds or, or who don't have, you know, very facile intellects are not going to be able to just switch gears like that. That's a toughie. That's a toughie. Or what if you're a union worker? You know, you want to stay in the union because you've got benefits and, and there's benefits to union participation. You know, do you want to strike out on your own and maybe not have the support of those benefits? So I, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna sound like I'm coming down on people who can't do or don't do, but but there's so man, you know, the, the situations out there are legion. There are so many people who have so many different things that they they're into that their lives are impacted by. Maybe you have a family member who has special needs. And you know, physical, mental, whatever. And and then I have an autistic you know, son. That's why I'm like, yeah, I'm not trying. Yeah, to, we so all do you, yeah. So do you? Yeah. So do you take that chance and lose, you know, the support that you built into your life to make, you know, to make that happen? Um, it's it's a toughie. And I I think since we don't know what the basis of creativity is, and we really don't. We have no idea what the basis for creativity is. You know, you have, you have a, I, to me, the spectrum is you have savants on one end who, who may, you may not call that creative, but they have abilities that are far beyond the average person. And then you have, mm -hmm. you know, your Salvador Dali's, your, your uh, Carlos Santana's, your, you know, whoever, you know, those kind of people. Yeah, Stevie Wonder. Yeah, so it, it, man, you know, this is. I think I think it's going to be tough to quantify over even even ten years down the road. I think it's going to be tough to quantify how how this pandemic affected the creativity of people around here. You know, around around the globe. You know, are we going to see a decrease in? popular music? Are we going to see an increase in creative storytelling? You know, so I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence in, in trying to think, yes, it's going to be a good thing or yes, it's going to be a bad thing because I, I simply don't know. I know it's not so bad for me, but I'm pretty lucky. You know, I'm, I'm, my, my market is starting to mature. You know, more people are buying my books and, and, and I have other things happening. But what about somebody who's just starting out? Do they take the chance and try to become an author under under this kind of um, a, a, a circumstance? I would say that we're all blessed. It sounds like all four of us are blessed. And that is something that I thank God for every day. I'm not going to religious angle, but that must, for me, I have to mention that I am extremely aware of even the most like the most infinitesimal, smallest blessings. I'm like, 
oh, thank God I don't have to worry about that. This is, this is great. But I, for me, it comes down to one thing. Creativity is one part of it for us, for, for, for working creatives. But I would venture to say that it comes down to being able to adapt. Again, back to sink or swim. It's about adapting. Because I'm thinking of people I know like my cousin who is not what she would call a creative. I wouldn't call her. She wouldn't identify as one. However, when she realized that she wasn't going to be able to work in the after-school program where she was working, she can cook. So she was like, okay, there are going to be people who are not going to want to go to this restaurant, that restaurant. So she immediately decided to do a business where She's dropping off food for people, soul food, you know. And uh-huh. I thought, right from the beginning. And, you know, I know somebody else, and <laughs> I won't say their name, but their thinking was, well, people are going to want to self-medicate, so I'm going to be dropping off alcohol or edibles. And I was thinking, okay, you know, do you? I'm not going to hate, you know, whatever. But, I mean, again, it, it doesn't have to be for, you know, it doesn't have to be about, you know, writers and artists and actors and singers. You know, we've got our thing, but I think this is a time for everyone to find their, 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 their creativity or if you want to even call it that, their ability to adapt. That's the main thing I think is what's um, defining a lot of people right now. There are people who are just, like, stressed out because they're single and, like, oh, my God, I'm home by myself. I don't have a boo to cuddle up with or something. And they're on Facebook complaining of their life. I can't hit the club. Yeah. Right. They're mad because they can't, they can't go to the club. And, and, I'm, and I don't want to seem like I'm smug because it feels like everybody on the phone is in a relationship. But, you know, I'm like, if I were by myself, that would be the least of my issues that I didn't have a cuddle buddy. I would be thinking, like, okay, what can I do to make the most money right now so that if some if this thing goes on for another two years, I can sustain. So for me, it comes down to just being able to adapt. Like, can you adapt? Can you flow with what's going on? If you if you if you can't draw or sing or sew or write, then maybe you can cook or maybe you can um, any number of things. I've been sort of impressed with some of the side businesses people have been coming up with. Like name one. I'm I'm just curious. Um, <laughs> Again, one that I saw on Instagram was um, is somebody came out with a little key ring where you can open the door and close the door and check um, elevator buttons without touching it with your hand. That's that's one innovation that I've seen. Ooh, and I was also looking at one. yeah. Yeah, and I, I saw it, and I'm like, hey, I might be able to 3D, 3D modify that. Mm, I'll make my own design and 3D print that. Because <laughs> this, uh, with the pandemic thing, this is not going to be the last one. So uh, there's plenty yeah. of opportunity for other people to make money making their own versions. Then also, I was looking at, I didn't read the article, I didn't click on it, but some of the companies are already looking into um having speech recognition for elevators and things of that nature so people don't have to touch. Uh, and likewise, some of the stuff that's been out there a little bit but hasn't been adopted as much as keyless, not keyless, but um, phone payments uh, where you can pay for stuff at the counter without touching anything. So a lot of these things are going to be coming down the pipe. It's a, like I was saying, it's a double-edged sword. And so some people are going to adapt 
um, and some people are not, but the ones that can adapt, it's, it's going to be hard on them. And so, yeah, I think that think that is it's 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 troubling because we we know we have family members and friends that that not able to adapt, so they'll be leaning on us to help them. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and the other thing that we have to consider is we're kind of in an artificial um, environment because we have the dumbest president who ever lived. And that, you know, to, to deny that, that people have died because of him and to, to deny that his supporters are, are putting countless people at risk and things like that, you know, I, I don't see... I don't, obviously, you know, Barack Obama set up a whole bunch of stuff that would have taken care of this, this, this starting in December, you know, and, 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 and Hillary Clinton would not have dismantled this. And I don't normally get political because I, I'm, but, but here's the thing, you know, people have to own up to their deficiencies, okay? And, yeah. and we've got somebody who hasn't. And and what it what it has done is it has killed people. Okay, so no no matter how creative the four of us are, there's very little we can do other than social distancing that that can keep people from dying or keep people from you know ending up in the hospital. And that's a tough road to hoe. You know that's the hard part. You know you know you, you know uh, Jacqueline, you're doing you know you're doing mass. I mean. How, that is just so cool, and it and is it is so yeah. apropos. But but me, you know, I'm I I was a you know, I was a computer professional starting in 1970, so I know a lot about that. But there isn't a lot out there that I could do that ha- that that has that same level of efficacy in in helping repair or 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 avoid the kinds of things we're going through right now. So, you know, leadership is so important. And and the fact that, you know, the four of us are as creative as we are, and, and I believe that, you know, I don't mean anything by this, but we're, we're it sounds like we're of, of above average intellects. We're not going to be doing things Come on, that are, own it. <laughs> we're not going to be doing things that, that are going to be putting other people at risk. You know, like I'm not going to go. Okay, look at all of these um, conventions that have been wholesale, wholesale, the wholesale cancellation of all of these conventions. You know, Jarvis and I are hoping that by Labor Day we've got something that works for us because we got a a, a really cool convention, and that's an and believe it or not, an essential component to the kinds of work that we do. You know, the kinds Absolutely. of services and goods that we sell that we try to promote it's also essential uh, an essential networking event so we get to sit down face to face with fellow creators fellow innovators and 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 get that that huge cauldron of ideas boiling up you know in a in a way in face to face that is not as practical to do even electronically so you know there's a lot of things about this that that are they're troubling, very troubling. I agree. You know, um, I love a Comic Con, and I'm I, I'm listening to you all and feeling how upsetting that's going to be. Like I knew for me as a consumer, and and occasionally I'll, I've had booths in the past, you know, um, that's upsetting. But then I thought about it. 
you can't recreate that virtually with the Brady Bunch boxes and everybody's in there talking to each other. Nope. There's nothing <laughs> like going, you know, <laughs> booth to booth. That's why I think like the Brady Bunch boxes. It, there's nothing like being able to go to a convention and go, wow, uh, this, the, the Tuskegee Airmen, like, th- th- this is their comic book, you know, or, you know, for me, like, meeting some of, like, my favorites for years I've been following yeah, I'm going to miss that. But as regular creators, like you, I mean, a regular attendees and, and Jarvis, you know, you have your own convention that you created uh, to not be able to do that. It's just now hitting me some of the things that I'm going to miss out on. Virtually, it won't, it won't be the same. Jarvis yeah, and I would have I, um... met had it not been a convention. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we actually met in person. We I think we knew each other for I know it says eight years, oh, nine years before wow. I actually met for you. Wow. Yeah, we, 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 we knew each other cool. for the yeah, we knew each other for the better part of a decade. We had spoken on the phone. Mm. We you know, we had uh you know, I uh he uh, had me contribute to one of the anthologies and, and all kinds of things that happened and then it wasn't until two years ago when I, I finally met him face-to-face. And it, That's you know, cool. <laughs> nothing nothing yeah. replaces that, that one-on-one experience. <laughs> it really doesn't. Yeah. Because, you know, like you said about the Brady Bunch thing, you know, for me, I, you know, I, I, don't, I don't have a camera here. So, you know, people would see my picture. And you don't, get, you don't get much nuance just looking at someone's picture. If you guys yeah. could see my face, if you could see, you know, my forehead, my eyebrows, you know, whether I'm smiling or not, that's an essential part of communication. And it's, and it's an effective part of communication because sometimes the nonverbals tell you a lot more than the verbals. Yes, that's a whole other conversation. The only you feel me, Jacqueline. The only positive, the positive part of doing things electronically is, I mean, for me, it, it boils down to the fact that I don't have to have pants on when I'm participating with any of these online conventions, and and that's something that I just can't do in person, you know. You know, we can't get that out of our heads now. I just want you to know that. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just, you know. I, my, my legs are nice. You know, my legs are okay. You know, for a guy my age, my legs are good. But but, but seriously, though, um, in terms of networking, if you have eight people sitting around a table who have common interests and you guys are, 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 are talking and, and, and throwing ideas out and then you get an idea based on just what you were talking about that nobody said. I mean, that's an essential part of problem solving. So are we going to be less creative in solving our our issues and challenges ahead because of having to socially distance? Ooh. I, I believe that the way the world is about to change, we're going to have to get more creative. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. you think about it, most of our, you think about it, now I'm not sure about like the whole, you know, with writing and, you know, books and things, but most of what we get now, and it's a stupid decision that we made, not as just as a country, but as a world, we put everything in China's hands as far as, you know, manufacturing and distribution of most of our goods. And now that's, it's not going to be that anymore. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of things we're going to have to provide for ourselves. So as far as like physical goods, 
I think that people are going to get more creative in producing those type of things. And I know as a country here in the United States, we're going to have to be more self-sufficient, you know, to provide for ourselves. Um, I, I have hope a question that for you guys. Towards the end, towards the end of the year, no, no, that we go don't ahead. Still have to be like six feet away from each other. I hope that they find some type of, you know, come up with some type of protocol that can kind of remedy that. I'm not sure because the, our government is constantly fumbling around. So, you know, I'm kind of scared of what it's going to be like in the future. But as far as like the way the world is going and the people dying in the hospital, I pray for everybody, you know, who's sick, who's yeah. affected. But mm -hmm. I have to realize that there's nothing that I can do about the world. I can't save the whole world. The only thing I can do is be, you know, the best person I can be and do what I can do, you know, to help right. and inspire other people, you know. Yeah, and continue to do what you're doing because you're already making a difference with those yeah. masks, right? There. I was so just, just thinking that, yeah. yeah. You are contributing, you know, it, that that was as soon as you mentioned Dollmaker and then going to the mask, I was thinking, this is, this is awesome. Um, I'm actually thinking, like, now I need to get your contact information so I can ask you about yeah. making some money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, um, yeah. And I do have a, a, a classmate of mine that's making them, but, like, there's enough room to get one from everybody. I don't have to get them all We need her. as many as we can get. Too. We, need, hmm? we mm -hmm. need as many mass makers as we can get. Like, right, because... I'm looking at it like, you know, I, she's doing an African design. I may want something that's a little more, you know, whatever, whatever. But um, mm -hmm. there was something you said I was going to piggyback on about if this is going to be the way from now on that we communicate. We had a Arts and Science Council meeting this week. Um, I'm on the board of arts, for our local Arts and Science Council, and it was our very first Zoom meeting. And the one advantage I can see for not um, talking at a table is um, I noticed in the past when we would meet in person, people are looking all around and getting easily distracted. When you have just like you got your agenda and you're on Zoom or on the phone, I noticed that we stuck to the topic more. So that was one advantage that if this is going to be our way of life for a while, um, we do lose something with not being able to see like the physical nuances that people do and be able to pick up unspoken information that they're giving us, like whether they're like not feeling it, don't agree, do agree, whatever. Right. But on the other hand, there's not as much fidgeting as I've noticed in the past or something else on my particular, um, with my group, we're very diverse. So I found myself looking around the room thinking, like, it's only me and this one black lady. Everybody else in here is white. You know, or like, um, <laughs> when they go, all these things are going through my head, like, well, how long are we going to talk about this subject? Like, of course, the white guy would bring it up. And all this is, like, race or gender. Like, I notice all the women are, like, really listening, but the guys are still, like, getting food and not sitting down so we can get down to business. You know, all all those things go out the window when you're dealing with the Brady Box boxes, you know, I mean, Brady Bunch boxes, it's just agenda, let's get it done, and they're still, like, you know, kind of it's kinda, giggling and carrying it's on. It's kind of like a, a a divine lesson because before this whole pandemic, to be honest, if you really think about it, we've pretty much created a narcissistic society. 
you know, where yes. people, instead of having conversations on the phone, you rather text. We have things like ghosting. We have quotes like no mm-hmm. and stuff like that, you know, where I live in Atlanta and Atlanta is pretty much a place that's very clickish. It's very, you know, people are trying to do this and trying to do that. Yeah. And a lot of times you're so goal driven and money driven that you don't, you don't, you don't create a life for yourself. You don't stop and enjoy mm. the people around you and the things around you. And it's like, now we have this pandemic, this narcissistic pandemic that we have to be away from each other to go along with the narcissistic society that we created, you know? And so it's kind of like, I love the mayor of Atlanta. We have the, well, it's we, not have, just, we have a lesson to learn. It's not logic. just narcissism. It's not just narcissism. Two things. Um, we, we screwed ourselves globally because uh, we sent all of our manufacturing to China because we could save a exactly. nickel. Exactly. Okay? And the second thing, the second thing is the, the culture of the United States of America is the most selfish on earth. Okay? The people in our country are the most selfish people on the planet. Okay? You know we got there? It started in 1983 with, uh, what was that movie? Wall Street, when Gordon Gekko, played by Michael Douglas, said, said, greed Ah, is good. Greed is good. Greed Greed is good. good. And that, and that, with the moment that movie came out, our culture started to change. Okay? Everybody wants to make, you know, uh, the, the, uh, there's an old, and excuse me for using the word, but the old saying, and I, I think my, my uncle used to say this, you know, he, he squeezes the nickel until the buffalo shits, you know, and, and that, <laughs> that mentality, that, that mentality is killing us, okay, as a, as a species, you know, look at how clean the air is right now. The ozone mm-hmm. hole is closing right. up over over the poles. The you know the you know you got you got well okay between 1955 and about I think it was the uh, when the when the century changed, we lost 85 percent of the biomass in the oceans. Think about that. Uh-huh. For, wow. In 45 That's years, so we lost 85 percent of the biomass in the oceans. You know, and, and now now we've got whales coming back. We've got all kinds of species that were close to being extinct coming mm-hmm. back. And why is that? Because we're not, excuse me, screwing up things. <laughs> Sorry. We're not screwing up things. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting. It's interesting what you said about the, the ocean and, and things of that nature. Um, part of my 3D printing um, workshop, I talk about how over the last 20 years, 50% of the coral reefs have been eroded away by because of because of humans. And so mm-hmm. and some of that is actually coming back now that I've seen in different posts on science blogs and things of that nature in terms of turtles and things of that nature. But um, in the 3D printing um, workshop, you have different individuals printing, 3D printing, uh, but using concrete coral reefs and have been using that technology to bring it back. But it's I'm really wow. excited to see that yeah. it's coming back on its own now that people aren't on the beaches. And it, it didn't mm. take that long. It's like, I think there's been a whole season of turtles that have come in, laid their eggs, and the eggs have come up and, and the turtles have went back in the water. I mean, just that quick. 700,000 700, so, on one beach. 
three quarters, three quarters wow, of a amazing. million turtles hatched that would that's not awesome. have hatched on 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 this one beach. That's all. I mean, when you think about amazing. the effect man has had, it's 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 just it's unbelievable. And and I think this is good. Yeah, I'm hoping that also the changes in how we do things on on this planet. Um, it, it sparks a, a, an artistic renaissance, okay? Mm-hmm. Like right, right after what happened with the Dark Ages. What happened after that? We had a huge renaissance of science, of yes. of, of of art, of writing, of of all kinds of stuff. And maybe maybe this is the correction that the global economy needed in order to regain some sanity. I believe that. I, I believe that. It's just good to hear you say it the way you said it because you're absolutely right. You're bringing science into it because, you know, you're hearing it on television, but they've been so focused on the, the, the tragic things of the president that I don't hear that quite as much about how um, the planet is doing better. Well, because they you are, know, it's negative. But, but also remember, you, you're, you're talking about a media that is still obsessed with money, all aspects of money. You know, that's, that's not going to change until people start turning them off or changing the channel. You know, you look at somebody like NPR. NPR is probably pretty good at, at giving us, you know, the kind of news that wow. we had during the 60s and 70s where they're talking yeah. about factual things and, and maybe consequences of factual things. But, you know, okay. otherwise... Every single story you're hearing about, you know, how many people died, uh, what is this costing us, you know, how many billions of of lost productivity do we have? And then here's the other thing. Our president just pulled $3 trillion out of his ass to give to his (laughs) business friends. Wow. All right, we could have had universal health care for 30 years. They care more about money than they do us. And that's why I don't understand, you know, why should, you know, citizens have to make masks for hospitals? You know, if you can spend $100 million on a, a, a tank for a war, why couldn't you spend $100 million to throw up some a, a, big, a big, huge factory so that all the healthcare workers in the country can have all the supplies and all the protection that they need while they're out there saving Agreed. lives? You know, that, well, and, and, mm-hmm. but, but that's because mm-hmm. our priorities are based around squeezing the nickel until the buffalo shits, okay? And, and there's no other way to put it. You know, everybody, and, and even us, let's, let's be honest. What, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. When I think about what I'm going to do next or what I have to do or what's the big next big project, you know, I think about, well, okay, how, how many months of rent will this pay? Or, you know, can I yeah. get recurring revenue from this? Because I'm, I'm just as, as conditioned to think that way as everybody else. I try not to put everything as dollars and cents, but I, do, I also have realistic challenges and issues. You know, I have to pay rent. Yeah. I have to well, yeah. pay this. I, you know. That's survival. I mean, I was just saying right. earlier today, there's the type of um, creative surge for the sake of survival that Jacqueline feels, that Jarvis feels, that I feel, that actually how you feel. And then there's the kind of thing for someone like Babyface and Teddy Riley. 
I mean, I was happy for the little battle that they had going on. And just like everybody else, I was like, you know, I had the side that I picked. But those two <laughs> brothers, those are millionaires. That was just for kicks for them. There's a difference between the kind of like, in other words, I'm saying I feel no guilt in looking at, okay, what projects are going to bring me the most money? Because Babyface, I love him. I love Teddy Riley. Go for them were the soundtracks of my 20s, you know, um, it provided the soundtracks sure. of my 20s. That being said, um, you know, they're sitting around their mansions. They don't need to worry about being famous. They're, they're icons. They don't have to worry about getting bills paid. They're millionaires. At this point, it's all about I'm bored and I just want to be relevant. I'm not putting that down. I'm just saying that I definitely have – I don't have any guilt about – um, being money focused because that's the thing I was thinking when this thing hit. Like, okay, I can't do gigs. That was my cash cow. That was where I made the bulk of my money was, you know, going to events and getting paid for those events. Um, I can't teach art classes right now. I teach online, but it, it's still it's not the same thing. So I immediately went into survival mode, adapting. What can I do? And I, I think that's that. That's why I don't really want to hear the argument when somebody says, well, everybody doesn't have that luxury. And I always just say, no, it's not about luxury. If anything, it's quite the opposite because we are in dire circumstances. That's exactly the time when you should be like grinding and thinking, okay, I want to do this creative project, but how much is it going to pay me? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, no, I mean, that's true. And, and it, you know, in my own defense, I, uh, three years ago, I wrote a book that, was, that I timed it to come out perfectly now, and the title is uh, Quarantine. You know, to think that far ahead and hit, hit the mark, exactly having a, a, a debut book called Quarantine that came out in the first week of April, I, you know, I, I look at the brilliance of it, but I have to admit that, yes, there was a, there was a revenue component. I'm just kidding. I got lucky. But, but you know, but I'm not I'm not above exploiting it, and why shouldn't I? You know, because you know uh, I, I'm a creative who would like to be relevant. I'm a creative who would also like to be able to transition 100% to having my creative endeavors support me. You know, so I, I'm not I'm not saying that we we ignore revenue, we ignore finances and things like that. I'm just saying that that we, we have an entire culture that is focused on on the acquisition of cash. And and right. sometimes that makes it difficult to do to do other things. But I mean, you know, look, Jacqueline's making masks. You know, we're 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 doing a podcast here that other people can listen to and go, Oh, I didn't think of that or yeah, that's a good point or oh, you know what they forgot. You know, that sort of thing. So so there's all kinds of aspects to this this pandemic that are good and bad. You know, so um I just what I'd like to see is I'd like to see us come out the other side with a better a better attitude about paying attention to other people and helping other people. Yes, benefiting the planet. Mm-hmm. That, that yes. And and I would know, like to if, see an experiment. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. An experiment. I would an like experiment. to see an experiment. I, I would like to see an, us do an experiment as a nation. I would like to see everybody 
you know, take the numbers now, you know, the number of cases and all that and such, and everybody just turn off the news for 30 days. Just don't watch it, don't pay attention to none of the negativity, just cut it out for 30 days, and then come back and do another count to see, you know, if, it, if things got better, if it got worse, just to see if you just take the whole negative fear and all the drama and stuff out of it and see, you know, how much of an, of an improvement, you know. At the very least, right, social media. I think if there's only one problem social with that. media. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but I'm you just know, saying social media would be a good one. Yeah, it would yeah. be a good one. But you know what would happen? You would have people crying 24 <laughs> 7 if, if we cut out social media. People would be Yeah, because you can't see how, them in their latest else? selfie. <laughs> Well, how else are they going to be? How else are they going to be able to pretend to be somebody who they're not? There's, it's, it's just no way to do it. And and the other thing, um, the the actual infection statistics are probably 50 to 100 times more than what you see on the news. And the reason why is we have only tested 3% of the people in this country. And you can't yeah. know how many infections you have without 100% testing. You can't, you can't formulate policy until you know the extent of your problem. So, yeah, if we shut off the news and, and, you know, or at least eliminate you know, the daily tote board, and then we come back and look at it 90 days from now, it, it's going to scare the hell out of us, okay? Because then we're going to really oh, yeah. know how many people are infected. Um, I, think, I think the actual number, just based on anecdotal stuff I've been looking at, is 50 to 100 times higher than what they're reporting on the news, okay? And they're now finding out, they're now finding out that the, the virus itself I think, you know, patient zero, who they've been closest to find, um, actually was infected in the fall. And, and it was just the inertia yeah, yeah. That, that made us not notice, and it's the ignorance that makes us not know at this point. We don't know how many people have it, you know. Um, I know I haven't gotten it because I haven't been close enough to anybody for three and a half weeks to get it. But had I not known, and I was wandering around during, during November and bumped into somebody who had it, I, I would have had it in December. And maybe I would have played it off as a cold or the flu or something else yeah, because I wouldn't have known. You know? so, we don't know how long it's been here. No, we don't. We really don't. So, you know, Did it actually come from China? Well, it, it probably did. They said... Based on the gene structure, the the, chromo, the uh, chromosome genes, yeah, whichever, um, of of the six main strains, it it does look like an animal crossover that started in China. But it doesn't yeah, matter where I it came the, from uh, because there was I no way for us to stop it. Would you say yeah, I think the, it started um, in the lab. The, the key issue is that, uh, for me, is that it's spread because of this foolishness in our leadership. Because our previous leadership, we saw Ebola, we saw Zika, we saw some, yeah. it was something else in the mix there. And we SARS, didn't get any of that. SARS. We didn't get none of that. But that's it. SARS, yeah, you're right. SARS. Yeah, we didn't get any of that stuff. And it's, it's, and it's he incumbent set up on us to make sure that we run out and vote. 
when we get an opportunity to vote because that's where we have the power. Uh, a lot of people don't think that we do, but as an example, my sister, I'm, I'm the youngest of six, and my oldest sister lives across town in a neighborhood um, that was kind of downtrodden. And over the course of probably about right around a decade, you had um, the leadership in that area, the council council people or reps or whatever the lady, I forgot her name, but she pushed and pushed and pushed and got it designated as a historic area, cleaned up the area, mm. got nice sidewalks, light, lighting, all kind of great things. And then uh -huh. a few years later, the demographic changed. So other people moved in and long story short, she lost uh, her seat by 50 votes. Wow. Because, because the I neighborhood people, going in like this. Right, yeah. You had like 10% of the neighborhood took over because the other 90% mm. didn't use their power and just let they, things they float. Yeah. yeah, and so now they're yeah. being pushed out of their own neighborhood. And then another part about this pandemic part is, uh, like I said, it's our leadership. It's not just the president. I think it's the entire Republican Party because he couldn't do all this mm -hmm. stuff without their green light. Without Remember Mitch McConnell when, and other gatekeepers, yep. Right. Remember when President Obama was trying to do all these great things and he couldn't do it because of the House. He couldn't do it because of the Senate. Likewise, he can do all these things because he has the whole backing of his party. So it's not just him. He's just a figurehead. But it when come time, November or, or whatever date it is in your area, um, please run out and vote so that we can make a dent in this thing. And, and, and that's my, uh, my Rodney Biden part two ready to go. <laughs> and be sure to pay attention to the House and the Senate, um, both federal and local, because, you know, it, it doesn't yeah. do any good to have Obama mm -hmm. as president and have Mitch right. McConnell you know, Thank as you. head of the Senate. Right, right. It, it starts uh, with local, because these people that are national, they started local. And so if you don't vote local, you're, you're, you're just, like I said, you're just handing the power over to other people. And like, so I well, encourage everybody to vote both ways, both was, local and national. I was thinking Georgia is a good example, and Jacqueline may be able to speak about this, obviously better on it than I can, because, um, are you currently in Atlanta or are you from Atlanta? Uh, I'm currently no. in Atlanta. Oh, she's in. But I was, yeah, I couldn't help but think here. about, you know, you've got Governor Kemp saying one thing, but then fortunately you've got um, the uh, mayor of Atlanta, you know, and hopefully people are hearing her out, telling people to stay yeah. at home. You know, I mean, it's bad enough he stole, yeah. in my opinion, the election from Stacey Abrams. That's who I thought should have got it. But, right. you know, then it's been foolishness after foolishness after foolishness, and I can't help but think if there was ever a time that um, we, we're we being faced with, you know, um, we're, we're having to deal with um, our either being passionate and going out and vote and, and exercising mm -hmm. that right or not doing it, it's right now. I vote for everything, <laughs> you know, so I, <laughs> I, I can sleep mm -hmm. at night mm -hmm. with that because I canvas mm -hmm. too. <laughs> Yeah, well, the mm -hmm. good news right. is people are staying in. They're, they didn't take the bait. They didn't take the ah. bait. A lot of the, a lot of the beauty salons and, and, and tattoo parlors and stuff that I follow that are local here on, you know, I follow Facebook that are local here. You know, they pretty much made an announcement on that social media saying, you know, 
we know that the governor, you know, said that we can open back up and do business, but we're going to remain closed until further notice, until we see some type of real improvement. So, yeah, we didn't take the bait. I mean, a lot of the restaurants and stuff are still closed. So, yeah, we didn't buy it. Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Or, or everybody, actually. What are your thoughts on herd, in, herd immunity? Because that's the first thing I thought about with the Atlanta thing and some of the other cities that are opening up, the whole herd immunity argument, which a lot of scientists have debunked. is like that's not going to help. But it is one of the scariest concepts I've ever heard of in terms of how they're going to solve this problem. I think the answer to that is pretty simple. Um, has herd immunity affected the flu or the common cold? <laughs> Good point. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that concept so, probably came from the, uh, social engineering people. Yeah. Yeah, and and the other thing about herd immunity is, you know, you look at the what do they call that? The uh, the distribution curve for IQ, and mm, you know you're like always the you're always the bell-shaped curve. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, you you look at the bell-shaped curve of, of IQ distribution, and so okay. it, you know if you take me for example, in order for that curve to balance out, there's got to be somebody out there with an IQ around 50. Or forty. Yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. and and how are they going to behave? How are they going to? Are they going to adhere to the necessities of, you know, social distancing? You know, so I, I I'm sorry. You know, and and you know what our political situation has done? It has broken down the two parties. And the, the the defining factor, the defining difference between the two parties is intellect. Again, that's scary well, <laughs> for a lot is. of reasons. It really is. <laughs> it is. It is. Oh, you know, if, if, if I go to the mall, okay, and I look at 100 people at that mall, the chances are pretty good that the IQ distribution is going to be from 60 to 160. Okay? People below 60 probably shouldn't be let out of the house by themselves. But what about those people? Oh, Please don't make me laugh. Please don't make me laugh. <laughs> oh, no. You know, I, look, I, I say the things that are unpopular, but that everybody is thinking. Okay, so you've got the people who have an IQ of 60 who can go buy gum and, and, and to 100, which is average. And, and so are those people going to behave properly with the necessity of social distancing? Uh-oh. You don't know. What? Mm. How to cut us off? What did you say, Jarvis? <laughs> I think we're down to about fifteen seconds. No, we're no, oh, we're down to, fi- we're down to fifteen minutes. We're down. Okay, we got. I think minutes. we're down to fifteen okay, minutes. So, so you know the here's new system the thing. Is, it does what it wants to do sometimes. I know, I know. And, you know, the other thing is, you know, people people do what they want to do regardless of what is maybe best business practices, best social practices, or best any practices. Because as I Mm -hmm. said before, we are the most selfish population in the world. 
keep okay. no argument. People the don't most entitled. damn about other people. Mm-hmm. Um, nope. You know, so... Uh, well, I was watching, I still go out like, like when it first broke out, not coming in mouth. Say it again. I'm sorry. The what? Still, it's still when I go out, it's still people out coughing. They don't cover their mouth. They don't care who's around. Yeah, it's still know, people walking around. Yeah, I was at the grocery oh. store just before oh, we started the show. I was at the grocery store just before we started the show. Half the people were not masked. And that's employees and customers. Okay. They oh, are everybody stores I won't go to for that reason. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody right. was adhering to the distance that, you know, the six-foot distance at the checkout. But then there are people crossing the checkout lines and going up the aisle and doing this and doing that. And, you know, I, I, don't, I don't need that. I'm going to start going to the store, you know, like at, uh, you know, 2 in the morning like I used to when nobody else is there because I can't rely on other people to do the minimum, the minimum necessary yeah, yeah, the to be minimum. Safe. Oh, y'all, y'all I, made me think yeah. of something. Um, okay, my husband works for TV. He works for TV. I'm not going to say his name when he works. But... Two days ago, the governor um, showed up to his job. The governor of Georgia, Kemp, showed up to his job to, like, make an announcement. When he came in to the building, he didn't have no mask on. He, you could tell, he said, they said you could tell his nose was stuffy. He was coughing. He wasn't covering his mouth or nothing. And it had got so bad that the people who worked there, every time he coughed, they would spray some lice on you know, and, and, and they, they, they had to close the door to the room that he was in doing his doing his announcement because he just kept coughing, and the people who worked there was just freaking out because he wasn't Why covering his mouth or taking no type of safety measures. I don't know. Mm. I would have sprayed the lights out in his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True <laughs> story. True okay, story. I, 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 Okay, here, here's that matches that story. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Well, wait. Let, let's save the story, but let me make this statement. At this point, if somebody coughs on you, they're gonna get punched. Whether in the face. they're infected or not, no, no, no. <laughs> that is that is assault. It is. That's Did you all hear assault. about the bus driver? Did no. You, you all hear about the bus? It, this is so sad. Um, I think you can find the story on YouTube. There was a bus driver, I think it was in New York or one of the um, the hotspot states like New York or L.A., um, some bus driver. And the woman got on the bus and she's coughing and she coughed on him. And um, I assume that she died as well or at the very least she had COVID-19 um, because he got it, um, black man. And he yeah. did a oh, video yeah, I did about, hear about this. Yeah, I heard about this. Yeah. And it was kind of like a countdown situation where he was like, I want you all to know, like, be careful because this happened to me. And, you know, I, I remember, like, almost wanting to cry when I heard it because I was thinking, imagine you just trying to do your job and just, like you said, just a bare minimal, just call Some people into can't your armpit, I mean, your, your elbow or something. I'm sorry, say, say it again. Some people spraying that stuff on purpose. I saw a video. It was a white guy that was on a subway. It looked like it could have been New York. And he was coughing into his hand and he took his hand and started rubbing it on the rubbing on the pole. What? Yeah, and he did it like three times and this person just so happened to be sitting there secretly recording him doing this and every time he coughed into his mouth and he would rub his hand on the pole. 
see. I need him to run and tell Tyrone yes. and them because that would have went down a little differently. I heard a story where um, the actress from the show Insecure, she's a Tiffany's, um, not Tiffany, Amanda Seals. She's on the um, uh-huh. show The Real. The comedian. She. Oh yeah, you know her. Okay, right, right. Amanda um, Seals was um, in Target, and she and Issa Rae, um, and I love both of them, were doing some sort of blog. Uh, a, a podcast, and long story short, she's in Target, and a woman was just kept getting closer and closer to her until she finally said, ma'am, can you back up? And rather than just kind of like just do, you know, the human thing and just back up, the common sense thing, the woman gets more aggressive and threatens to spit on her, and <gasps> she had to yell out mm-hmm. to like, like in the store, like to like, like help. You know, she's trying to assault me, and the Target's um, security, she's like, thank God. She said they were on it. They got her out of there quickly. And she said the woman was, like, saying, what, you scared of me? Like, she, like oh, you afraid? You afraid? Like, like basically trying to punk her. She's like, yes, I'm afraid. I tried to make that right. to you, like clear to you from the beginning. Like, like, will you please back up off me? And that's my concern that. Like someone like my mother will be out because she's, you know, 77 years old or or I'll be out, you know, and there's someone who's just not going to respect the social distancing. And, you know, in a past life, I might have been like, look, you don't want to catch these hands. I'm not the one, you know, but I can't, you know, at my age and with everything that's going on, that's obviously not going to be the response, but that someone would be ignorant enough and aggressive enough or crazy enough to respond that way. That's the thing that scares me for everyone that, uh, you run across the nut job who, you know, is just thinking, even if they don't have it, they want to see the fear in your eyes. Yeah. Well, and there there was one other clip on social media that did, I, every time I see it, I laugh. There's a guy who was in a, a store, and he started spitting on the oranges in the, you know, <laughs> that were set out. And the owner of the store or somebody who worked there came and smacked him so hard, the guy just... Oh, ate. I want to see that. You got to look for it. it it'll, it'll probably be on your timeline somewhere. But, you know... Guy getting smacked about oranges. Okay. I mean, but, yeah. But, I mean, he, he smacked him so hard, this guy went down. He just went down. But yeah, here's the crazy. thing. It, hmm. What is a, an, an appropriate response when somebody might be doing something that's going to take your life. Right. Oh, gosh. They're going to fix their hands. <laughs> you know? I mean, I, my, I, it, again, it's fight or flight. I might leave, but if, I don't know, I can't say. I mean, I might flip. What if somebody yeah, spits that, on you deliberately? You're talking about fight or flight. You're, you've already been exposed. Oh, yeah. They're going to get exposed. Some someone in the chat room said get he see the clip of the manager. Well, you know, I figure if you're going to shoot somebody, shoot them in the ass, and here's why: you're probably not going to kill them, okay? Which is a good thing. But every time they sit down for the rest of their life, they'll be thinking about you. <laughs> the imagery on that alone. <laughs> I'm a I'm a wordsmith. I paint with words. There's so many um, butt jokes. You just make your own with that. But anyway. <laughs> Any, well, anyway, anyway, we've got about five minutes, and because of the instability of uh, talk show, 
we're not sure if we're going to get cut off right at the hour. Jarvis, did you set it for 15 after? It's 15 after today. Okay. So, but but we're going to try to end on time just in case because it has cut us off. Um, anyway, the, before we get too much further, I want to thank all of you for for showing up and putting together a. a this has been a really good conversation. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to think about how this pandemic is 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 dealing or is is affecting creatives, but also to just think about how it's affecting your life and how it's affecting your mood and your mentality in in ways that probably could be affecting your creativity, but maybe not in a direct way. You know, like me, I'm I'm, mm -hmm. I'm getting I'm getting a little stir crazy here. I would love to just, you know, and I know I can go out and walk around the block or whatever, but if I want to get up uh, and, and, you know, go out to, I've got a liquor store right around the corner, and they used to be open uh -oh. until 11, and I could go there and get snacks and <laughs> stuff like that. Now, because of the mayor, and our mayor, she is medieval on all of this stuff. Uh, she's uh, uh, Lori Lightfoot. Have you seen the pictures of her? They've got memes of yeah. her showing up everywhere but she she has uh liquor stores shut down at nine so you know i can't do my late night you know, snacking and things no she oh no she does not and and she drives around you know to find gatherings she went out she went out to the beach cool. and chased people really off cool. the beach <laughs> so um anyway i i uh this is something we could probably talk about a lot, we, you know, uh, but, but the fact of the matter is we, we're not going to really know how it's affecting us until we have the benefit of hindsight. You know, what changed and what didn't change? You know, what, what, what did people do that they never did before or, or what, what were people scared to do? So it's, it's kind of, it, this, is a, this is something we haven't been through for uh, 100 years. You know, as as a, as a world, as a population, um, I hope that none of you have friends and family who have had the misfortune of suffering, you know, from this. And and I hope that everybody stays safe because this is this is not something to fool around with. Anyway, so okay, an update from from last week. I have um, two cousins that uh, were exposed to it and had it. One of them. In the D.C. area, he's fine, and one in Indianapolis, mm. he's fine, so they made it through. But one thing oh, I good. thought was interesting was that when you have the disease, uh, when you're exposed to it, you can't smell or taste stuff. And uh, and one of them, I read that. That was the yeah. female. Yeah, and then that we found that out firsthand from my uh, female cousin, and then um, my male cousin, he didn't he didn't have a fever at all. He had went in for you know bronchitis which you know he has uh has that and that's when they found out he had COVID so take care of yourself out here and protect yourself as much as you can so because you never know I, I, that that situation came out well uh like I said it, everyone made it through safely uh without exposing anyone else or or, or passing um but that those may be isolated cases so just protect yourself as and, much as possible. Yeah, and, and those of you who have friends and family who may live alone, um, you know, it's it's not going to cost you anything to just call them up and see how they're doing. I agree. I, I've been doing that. 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is, um, those of you who are about my age, I know a lot of you don't think you're in an at-risk uh, uh, population, which I don't. Every time they talk about an at-risk population, I go, ooh, those people should look out. And then somebody says, no, no, uh, William, that's you. So um, <laughs> everybody, just be careful. You know, this is I'm 48, and I'm looking at it like as if I'm an elderly person. We both 48. I'm two years away from 50. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What worries me is I'm like 190 in white people years, and that's pretty damn old. <laughs> so um, there are times when I forget that. Anyway, we're about a All minute right. up here. And before here. I forget, please. Please, uh, you know, the, the thing that brought us all together uh, initially was Black Science Fiction Society. This year makes 12 years of that uh, wow. community's uh, founding. Yeah. Yeah, we're 12 years, 20-year year program uh, plan. So please, everybody, come back when you get a chance. Drop some of what you're doing and pictures or events or things of that nature in the site. But we need content to keep the site going. Um, Can I post my video? Like said, that's a yes. Post yeah, link, yeah links to them. That. Yes. Yeah. Please do. Okay. All of that. All right. I'm on it. Well, so. on, on, on on that note, I'm going to call it uh, call it an evening, and uh, we hope to be back next week with another stellar show for you. Thank you, everybody, for being awesome, here. Awesome. Jarvis, Thank Jacqueline. You. Thank you, all. You all rock. Thank yeah. you. Good night, everybody. Safe weekend. Good night. All right. Good night. Be safe. Bye-bye. Hang on. Bye -bye. Hang on. Don't hang up.